0: at firehouse subs a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders we make our subs differently because our subs make a difference like our italian sub piled high with genoa salami pepperoni and virginia honey ham or our firehouse meatball sub with zesty marinara both with melted provolone and italian seasoning your choice just 6.99 each for a medium and only for a limited time at firehouse subs tap the banner now to start your order absolutely anybody could be like mary be like mary log on to jumbocasino.com and play for free now no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner
1: the exxon radio show with rob
2: mcconnell is largely an opinion talk show And welcome back, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and yes, we're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. 1-800-610-7035, worldwide toll-free. Email exxon at com On MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com. And our website, com. My guest this hour is no stranger to the Exxon Nation. John Michael Greer is with us, and uh, John Michael Greer is a certified master conserver, organic gardener, and a scholar of ecological history. The current Grand Druid of the O—I'm sorry, of the AODA. Uh, his uh, widely cited blog, the Arch Druid Report, deals with the peak oil and other interesting daily. Uh, affecting topics uh, that affect Mother Earth and each and every one of us. We're going to be talking to uh, John Michael about his new book, one of his three new books, I should say, Mystery Teachings from the Living Earth. And uh, first of all, John, great having you back with us again.
3: Well, it's a pleasure to be on again.
2: What do you think is going on in the world today, John? You know, we've just gotten over the 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 disaster in the Gulf of Mexico. Mm-hmm. We've got the you know we've got the melting of the polar ice cap. We've got mm-hmm. animals that are going onto the endangered species list because they can't survive because of the ecology. It seems one thing after the other. Then you throw in mm-hmm. the trials and tribulation of the different uh, countries of this world. Like uh-huh. if you'll excuse the expression, it looks like we're going to hell in a handbasket basically
3: this is what happens when you when you try to pursue a fantasy of limitless economic growth on a finite planet all these different things that you've Mm -hmm. mentioned are symptoms of the head-on collision of of this this fantasy that we can just keep on growing our population growing our incomes growing our luxuries indefinitely when the planet is only so large it only contains so much resources and you know, that's not going to change, no matter how loudly we yell like a bunch of five-year-olds mm-hmm. you know, wanting, to, wanting there to be more cookies in the cookie jar when we've not only emptied the cookie jar but pushed it off the shelf and broken it.
2: John, why is spiritual ecology uh, becoming so popular these days?
3: Well, I think on the one hand, there's a, there's a growing number of people who are realizing the stupidity of mm-hmm. of our collective relationship with the planet that keeps us all alive. On the other hand, there are people who are starting to realize that a lot of what's wrong with contemporary spirituality, especially well, with the alternative spiritual scene mm-hmm. and with the mainstream, is that it doesn't pay attention to, those same, to the same principles that we see in ecology. We've got, just as we've got people saying, well, I want mine, I want it all, I want it now, forget about the planet, on a physical plane, we also have people saying the same thing and claiming that it's spirituality. And you know what? It doesn't work there either.
2: So are, are we looking at the, the breaking point of our very existence? I don't think so.
3: Um, human beings, well, human beings are some of nature's supreme generalists. We're right up there with cockroaches and rats as far as, you know, we can live just about <laughs> anywhere and we're very hard to get rid of. Yeah. You, know, you may not think that as a, as a that as a flattering comparison, but if you've ever tried to, like, exterminate rats, you know they, they've got Forget something it. going for them.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Um, no,
3: I think, I mean, humanity's going to be around. The planet's going to be around. I mean, this, this, this Earth has survived things that are so much vaster than anything humanity can do. It is not funny. The question is just how badly we're going to mess things up for ourselves. Just how badly are we going to suffer? How many of our own dreams mm-hmm. are we going to stomp into the dust by our own idiocy in dealing with the real, the facts of, uh, you know,
2: existence? John, stand by, my friend. Exonation. Our special guest is John Michael Greer. Here's the uh, here's the address for his blog site, www.thearchdruidreport.blogspot.com. And uh, John Michael Greer and I will be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break as the exon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Sense this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. Explanation uh, John Michael Greer is my special guest, and uh, we're talking about John's new book. It's entitled Mystery Teachings from the Living Earth, an Introduction to Spiritual Ecology. And if you'd like to find out more about John, he's got a great blog at www.thearchdruidreport.blogspot.com. John, what was your inspiration for writing your new book, Mystery Teachings from the Living Earth?
3: Well, I've been talking for quite a while in in books and in my blog and in several other places about the the, the consequences, as I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. of our of our idiotic relationship to the world, the planet that keeps us all alive, and all of it was was very much focused on on you know the, here's this situation, here's that situation, here's you know our dependence on non renewable resources and so on, you know the, all, all symptoms, all talking about these the sort of specific applications, and it, it occurred to me, and partly it was, inspi- it was inspired by people asking, okay, what's the, basic, what's the basic set of ideas here? What are the underlying principles, both in terms of the, the practical world and in terms of the spiritual dimension, which of course I do talk about as, mm-hmm. as, a druid, as an arch-druid. Um, and so it was a matter of sitting down and saying, okay, how am I going to communicate to people who probably didn't learn a thing about ecology in school—I mean, it's not as though we teach it—and who have ideas of spirituality that are are very much have been very much shaped by this this notion that we've got that you know the world the universe owes us you know whatever we have it to desire, how can I communicate that to them? And so it was as, as, from from a process of mulling that over and thinking through it and saying, okay, uh, how can we take things right down to basics? That this book took shape.
2: What's the main message? Is it too late, John? Can we no. can we correct what we've done wrong? And why well, why are why are humans so stupid?
3: <laughs> well, I'm going to take those in reverse order. Why are humans so stupid? They're not actually. Um, the problem with people is simply that. We get used to a particular order of things, and we don't notice that it's changing. And if, if we happen to get on a roll with something that happens to be non-renewable or not, that, that cannot be continued indefinitely, we don't like to deal mm-hmm. with that. And that's been the situation for the last 300 years. We, since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, we figured out that we could raid the planet's cookie jar. The, basically, the the planet's stash of stored carbon in the form of coal, oil, and natural mm-hmm. gas, and use it to fuel a 300-year-long joyride, and that's exactly what we've done. Every year, we've we've dug more, we've pumped more, we've drilled more, we've extracted more carbon from the planet, burnt it. Woohoo! We've had a grand time. Yeah. Except now the bill's coming due. It's like any really wild party. You wake up the next morning. You've got a lampshade on your head. You're sprawled on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know the, the the place has been torn up. Um, people have emptied their um, <clears throat> various biological necessities in various random places. It's a mess. And oh, there's a huge bill for liquor that you don't remember ordering. <laughs> That's basically what we're, the situation we're in now. Mm. And so everybody's trying to figure out, is there are any more booze so I can drink myself to oblivion and not notice, you know, put off that reckoning for a little while longer? This is not a useful strategy, but it's a very human one.
2: John, John is, is this why people are, are into the end-of-the-world scenarios? Because they figure You've that if the world, one, if the world comes to an end, hey, I don't have to worry about the mess. If the
3: world comes to an end, we don't have to clean up our mess. Exactly. And we we don't have to deal with the situation that we've made for ourselves. I, I, I think of a, a, a person, that a friend of mine, talked to right before the Y two K non crisis mm-hmm. happened. Um, she she was talking to him and saying, you know, I, I'm really really worried about this whole Y two K business. And he was going, okay, I understand that. You banks might shut down, power shut down, blah blah blah. Yeah. She, but no no no, that was not it. She put him straight. Her life was at a dead end. Her career was falling apart. Her marriage was breaking down. The thing that horrified her was that she'd have to wake up on December 1st, 2000, and go on with the life that she made for herself. And she she would rather have seen civilization crash into ruin and end up huddling in a burnt-out basement than go on with her own life. We get a lot of that nowadays, and that's what's behind the rapture bunnies and the, you know, the whole 2012 mm-hmm. business and everything. <laughs> you know, don't make us clean up our mess.
2: So, so what we're doing is we're not accepting responsibility for what we've created. We're saying, all right, listen, why don't you start off with a clean slate, destroy the earth, you know, kill everybody here, and start all over again.
3: Mm-hmm. Except, of course, everybody who gets into the apocalypse thing, mm-hmm. they don't think they're going to be one of the people who die. Yeah, you the, know, yeah you're going to be yeah. the one who gets raptured up into heaven with Jesus, or mm-hmm. you're going to be one of those plucky survivors. You know, those the six or seven Hollywood stars in every disaster movie you've ever seen, <laughs> or what have you. It's just everybody has that fantasy. They're not going to be the one who gets stomped. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's just one of those things.
2: John, how how can we how can we better ourselves so that we work with mm-hmm. Mother Nature, the living Earth, and and, and stop ruining her?
3: Well, the first thing to do
2: is to understand where our ideas
3: and our basic assumptions don't work. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that my book is about. It it basically breaks down the, the, the core ideas of ecology into seven basic principles which I call the law of wholeness, the law of flow, the law of balance, the law of limits, the law of cause and effect, the law of the planes, and the law of evolution. We can get into those at some point if you like. But basically, these are, these are seven basic concepts about the way the world actually works. And so I, can, I, I basically show how we can apply each of those to our lives and say, look, this works that doesn't. Mm-hmm. So if we start by changing our thinking and then proceed to change our behavior, to look at the actual limits. And I know for some people that's a, that's a swear word. You can't say limits. Limits are bad. I <laughs> mean, well, these are people. These are people right now who are counting on the limits of the chair under them to keep them from falling onto the floor.
2: Limits are essential. But, but limits, limits are yeah. a fallacy. Ha <laughs> ha. I, I had a
3: very funny experience once. I was invited to this, this big conference on nature spirituality at mm-hmm. a, a retreat center in the Pacific Northwest. And there are people from various, many, many different spiritual traditions there. And um, everybody was supposed to get up and talk for about 15 minutes about what, what, what they felt was really important to grasp. And so I stood up and started talking about limits. And it was a warm summer day, but the temperature in that, in that room dropped 30 degrees by the time I'd said about half a dozen words. It was so funny. Nobody wanted to hear about limits. But in fact, um, consider I mean, think about your body, okay? Mm-hmm. Your body has certain limits. It, it, it needs those limits to survive, yeah. okay? You've got the limits of your bones keep you from collapsing into a puddle of jelly on the floor. The limits of your immune system. Keep germs from just walking in and taking over. Yeah, yeah. The limits of your skin. Keep your body fluids from flowing all over the place. We but the limitations... limits imposed by your sphincters.
2: You know, but the, then again, John, the limitations that people put on their own sanity and their own <laughs> awareness of the world around them is detrimental.
3: The, the point is that you choose the limits. You, you understand what... Because you can't... For example, you can't have... Infinite perception of everything at once. If you mm-hmm. do that, you will go mad. If you even make the attempt, you can't let everything into your mind at once. The point is you choose what you're going to limit what you're not.
2: So we're our own worst enemies.
3: We're, always.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Side world. And, it's, and, and
3: we're, we're our own worst enemies because we fail to pay attention to the limits that matter. Things like you can't keep on increasing your energy use indefinitely without um unbalancing the climate and running out of fuel, mm-hmm. usually about the same time, um, and we fail to say, "Okay, well, w- let's accept that limit and let's let's push the limits of our own capacity for generosity and caring." I bet we can do a lot more of that than we've done so far.
2: I, I noticed in the information that uh, Lisa Trudeau at uh, mm-hmm. Wiser Books was had sent us is that there's there's the law of wholeness, the law of flow the mm-hmm. law of balance, the law of limits, the law of cause and effect, the law mm-hmm. of planes, and the law of evolution. Mm-hmm. What's the law of wholeness? The law of wholeness, is, is
3: that's the first law, that's mm-hmm. the, the foundation of everything, the recognition that everything that is is part of a whole system. Right. Nothing stands aside, nothing is outside. This means, among other things, that there is no such place as away. You know, you throw something away, pollution goes away. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't. There is no such place. If you dump something into the water supply, you're going to be drinking it before long. It's a whole system. Everything is part of a single system, and it all cycles back around. That's the law of wholeness.
2: So what goes around comes around.
3: What goes around comes around. And there again, we have an ecological principle, which is also a basic spiritual principle. One of the points of the book is precisely Mm -hmm. that if you understand ecology, you actually understand the core teachings of the great spiritual teachers of of our species, because they're talking about the same thing.
2: The law of flow
3: the law of flow everything flows yeah. you think you can grab onto something you can't you think you can cling to something you also think especially if you're an american or, or to some extent a canadian i don't think you guys are quite as bad off as we are down here you think you can pile up endless amounts of it and hang on to it <laughs> well of course then you die which doesn't help but generally speaking. Trying to interfere with flow to build accumulation
2: to mass stuff up mm-hmm. is a self defeating game. It's a sucker's game. Well, of course, you know the old and, saying: you can't take it with you.
3: You can't take it with yeah, you. Exactly. And even while you live, you know, okay, you you fill, you you buy a huge McMansion, you fill it with stuff. Mm-hmm. You get so much additional stuff that you have to stick it into in storage. I mean, we're the only civilization in human history that's built an entire industry around building vast warehouses to store things that people buy and don't need and don't, don't even have enough need for that They that they, they need to get into it anytime any soon.
2: And, of course, you're, now you've got the television shows, you've got hoarders, you've got uh, uh-huh. rental wars. Is it rental
3: wars? You've you got all, you yeah. all this crap. Yeah. And, and, in fact,
2: all this stuff is flow. Storage wars, I'm sorry. Go with the flow, if you will.
3: And let things flow and be aware that, among other things, an economy thrives best when there's cash flow, not cash accumulation. Our economies right now are crippled because we've got too much money being mm-hmm. accumulated by too few people.
2: They're not letting it flow. Stand by, John. And so, you and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the well, hour. let take our news break. Always great talking to you, John. Thanks very much for joining us. Explanation: John Michael Greer is our special guest. The Thearchdrewidreport.blogspot.com. The name of his new book, Mystery Teachings from the Living Earth. John and I will be back on the other side of this news break. Don't go away. this product is a real winner. To learn more about One Two Three Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. And welcome back, everyone. John Michael Greer is my guest of this hour. His blogspot, a great read. The Arch Druid Report. Blogspot.com. That's the Arch Druid Report. Dot First of all, John, always great having you with us here. And, uh, you know, we're talking about your new book, Mystery Teachings from the Living Earth. And um, we, we talked about the law of wholeness. We talked about the law of flow. Now, we, I think the law of balance is pretty self-explanatory.
3: It, it is. It, we, we all know it. We all pretend it doesn't mm-hmm. apply to us. It always spins around and kicks us in the butt. Yep. And then eventually, hopefully, we get a clue.
2: And, of course, the, but, the law of limits, I'm sure, it works the same way.
3: We, yeah, we, we talked about that mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the last segment, in fact. You know, we all depend on, on limits. We can choose to some extent mm-hmm. what, what limits we will have. And that's the basis for power. That's the basis for achievement. It's the basis for beauty. Yep. Any manifestation happens because you limit all of the other things that something could be. It's like, you know, when you're making, when you're about to paint a painting, you've got a perfectly blank canvas, Mm -hmm. it's limitless. Once the first dab of paint goes on, that limits what you can do with it from then on. And by the time you finish the process, it's completely in place, completely manifested, completely limited. It is what it is. The same is true with everything else.
2: The law of cause and effect. Everybody knows that. Yeah, laws of cause cause and effect. But it has a detail
3: that a lot of people tend to miss,
2: especially in the spiritual
3: scene. If... Every, you know, Of course, every cause has an effect. Every mm-hmm. effect has a cause. Everything has causes that are at least one of the causes has to be of the same kind as the effect. For example, a heated argument is not going to start a house fire. You need like a spark or a match or something mm-hmm. like that. And the total sum of causes have to be equivalent to the effect. Um, you're not going to cause... Um, you're not going to cause some vast, I mean, like the, the want, for want of an ale, the, the horseshoe was lost and so on and so forth. Yes, but only if you have a whole bunch of other causes flowing in to lead to, you know, the loss of the kingdom at the end of the rhyme. Um, so you have, there are these factors in cause and effect that have to be understood. Or you're going to try causing vast changes with half-vast, if you'll excuse my expression, um, <clears throat> capacities or, or, you know, causes.
2: It sounds like a lot of common sense. Well,
3: yes. It's just common sense <laughs> has been rather in short rather in short supply in recent years.
2: as yes, isn't that the truth? Yeah.
3: yeah, you'd think that it would be common sense to look at the fact that we've already burnt our way through about half the world's petroleum original petroleum supply, and that. It's going to be harder to get. it's going to be lower quality it's going to be much more expensive to pump out it's it's beginning to run short. we can't simply increase the supplies. This means we have to scale back and not you know just put the pedal the metal and just try to try to weave to keep on leading the rip roaring lifestyles we've had in the last you know few decades. but that's a piece of common sense that's beyond a lot of people, especially beyond a lot of politicians
2: well of course and then then there's the other alternative, John, where all these. Great minds that are putting things on Mars could bring their minds back to this planet and find alternative energy. Well, it, yes, yes,
3: um, and we could also learn to use the amount of energy, the amount of energy we naturally get from, Responsibly. Sun, from wind and things like that, efficiently. Mm-hmm. We are so sloppy on our energy use. I mean, it does not take the amount of energy that, that an American or a Canadian uses in the mm-hmm. course of a year to fuel a comfortable lifestyle. You go to Europe, they use about a third as much. And, you know, they have like civilized lifestyles yeah. or they don't live in caves or anything. In many ways, their lifestyles are better than ours. And yet they use a third the energy we do. We could do the same thing easily. But we won't, because on the one hand, we're, we're you know, not too bright about energy. On the other hand, a lot of people are making a lot of money yeah. off of selling us more energy than we need.
2: Well, we're a very wasteful society as well, John. We, you can see that by the we, amount of garbage we, we create, we uh-huh. generate, and, and the amount of food that uh, just goes into the, into the garbage disposal units. It just goes into the waste stream. Yeah. Pollu- uh, uh, pollution is a resource that is, that is in the wrong place. Yeah. But you know
3: and this is in, in nature everything cycles back around. It one, one creature's waste stream is another creature's food supply. Mm-hmm. And we can do this ourselves look with, with something as simple as a compost heap. Instead, you know we flush it down the, down the garbage disposal or what have you, and it ends
2: up becoming a problem for someone else. Yeah We pass our problems along instead of mm-hmm. facing them, acknowledging them, and rat and fixing them.
3: And fixing them, and then learning that there are benefits yeah. to fixing them, yeah. And since and we pass them along, so does the other person, so does the other person, and again they mm-hmm. come around and bite us in the butt. Yeah, that's the law of wholeness.
2: What's the law of planes, John? But the law of
3: planes. This is this is something that really is primarily addressed at some of the. Um, some of those mistaken notions in the spiritual communities these days. Um, the Law of Plains is it points out that different different kinds of things that we experience function on what people in, in the mystery traditions call different planes of existence. We have thoughts, okay? A thought now, a thought may be a thing, but it's not the same kind of thing as, say, a brick. And there are ways you can you can move from the plane of thoughts to the plane of bricks and vice versa. But it's not an automatic thing. So the people who spend all of their time, you know, trying to think themselves into prosperity, let's say, you know, yes, you can accomplish some things that way, especially Mm -hmm. if it's your thinking and the actions based on your thinking that are keeping you poor, usually by spending more money than you earn. But if you just expect your thoughts to affect the material world straight off, you're going to run into one problem after another. In the same way, people spend their time chasing you know chasing wealth chasing mm-hmm. fil- filling their houses with all the all the crap and all of the you know filling their their storage lockers with stuff they don't actually want they're actually trying to fill an emotional need, but they think they can do it by manipulating physical matter they can't, and so they're caught in this sort of hamster wheel process. so the law of planes is that it's very important to differentiate the plane on which anything you're actually trying to achieve actually takes place. Is it a thought? Is it emotion? Is it a brick?
2: Mm-hmm. Or what? All right. The final law that we have here is the law of evolution.
3: The law of evolution. And there we're going to have to unhook um, well about 100, well, more than that now, um, but well over 150 years of, of gibberish. Wow. People say evolution, and they think progress. Yeah. We have this fantasy of progress. We have this religion of progress in the modern industrial world. We think that the universe has handed us a ticket that says that everything gets better over time. Huh. That's not Yeah, I mean, that's the whole idea. You know, my children should have a better life than I do. Da-da, you know, off in the future. Eventually, yeah. we'll go zooming off into space to some kind of Star Trek future metastasizing across the galaxy. Um, No. Evolution is just adaptation to circumstances. That's mm-hmm. all it is. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't lead anywhere. It's not this sort of grand march of progress with us, of course. You know, humanity is the leading edge. I mean, this fantasy that we're more evolved than other things, that some people are more evolved than others, is garbage. We've all been through exactly the same, you know, two and a half billion years mm-hmm. of evolution as a blue-green algae. In fact, they got it right. They got it right about about you know about um, one and a half billion years ago. They haven't had to fix anything since. We're still trying to get it right. But so evolution is simply it's it's the it's a process of adaptation over time, and the point of the law of evolution is that it points out that things change over time, that they change by adapting to changing circumstances, and that they're not leading to any grand and glorious goal. We, don't, we can't sit on our hind end and wait mm-hmm. for um, the rapture. We can't sit on our hind end and wait for um, the 2012 to bring a marvelous new age of consciousness that we don't have to work for.
2: It's not going to happen.
3: It's not going to happen. Yep. We're going to get exactly the world that we ourselves are willing to build with our own thoughts, our own actions, our own choices.
2: And, and the funny part, John... Well, it's not funny, it's very pathetic, is that over Mm -hmm. the years, throughout the centuries, we have not learned through our mistakes. Mm -hmm. We still keep on making the same mistakes, doing the same thing, looking for a different uh, reaction. It's insane. Evolution evolution is a slow process.
3: (laughs) We have not yet adapted to the fact that our minds can come up with fantasies Mm -hmm. that are very emotionally appealing. But that don't actually have anything to do with the world in which we happen to live, and i I think eventually you know over over millennia to come, we may finally grasp that detail and then then the world will be a rather different place for us but but until then it's purely a matter of people like you know people uh, like me like other mystery teachers out there who are saying, okay, here are some things to think about mm-hmm. that put the, that set cast the world in a very different light, and why don't you? think about your life in this context why don't you try practicing a little meditation let's say and see if you can get your mind a little clearer maybe even you know step back out of the out of all the yelling and mm-hmm. chaos and confusion and think for yourself for a
2: change you don't know want John i believe in my heart of mm-hmm. hearts that technology is working mm-hmm. against us oh yeah you know it's it's come to a point where families don't talk they mm-hmm. they text each other uh, you've got people who Finish their job. They rush home to enter a world of virtual reality that isn't mm-hmm. real because they can, they can be who they want to be in a fantasy life.
3: Absolutely, or they could just turn on the television and, and absorb themselves yeah. in the, you know, in, in the activities and emotions that people do who don't actually exist. Which it's, is the thing is all that techno structure is a way of running away from. The basic reality of human existence, and it depends on having these immense amounts of highly concentrated, cheap energy, which we're using up. So I see the, the, the problem with technology in that sense as, as self-correcting. As the, as the availability of energy goes down, as the availability mm-hmm. of resources go down, as the price of both goes up, a lot of people are going to find themselves suddenly deposited outside of their virtual reality back in the real world, and then they're going to have to learn it.
2: It's going to be very hard for them, though. It's going to be a rough road. Yeah, Evolution is. usually is. When when people talk about druids, uh, John, mm-hmm. the first thing that they they think of, and this is you know, based on what I've done over the last twenty years talking to people, is mm-hmm. they, they 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 do an automatic connection between a druid and Stonehenge. Stonehenge. What, yeah. What what did the druids actually do at Stonehenge?
3: They didn't. Well, I mean, not they until didn't. about three hundred years ago. <laughs> Um, as far as we know, Stonehenge, I mean, n- nobody's really sure. There were no written records. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody knows when the Druids got started, the original ancient Celtic Druids, I should say, when they got started, because um, they also didn't keep any written records. One of the few things they knew about, we know about them is that they thought that writing was a bad idea. They thought that it spoiled your memory. Hmm. And so, it's again, it's a technology thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, this hot new technology called writing. I don't know about that. <laughs> but... But so so. But current theory is that Stonehenge was built um, some hundreds of years at least. I mean, well, the oldest aspect of it was some thousands of years. But it was finished some hundreds of years before the first the Celtic peoples came to Britain, and those were the people who had who had druids as their as their priests and, and intellectuals. Um, in about starting in about um, what would it have been? It would have been the early seventeen hundreds. When you had the beginning of the Druid revival of people who were inspired by what little was known of the ancient Druids and and went out to create a, a nature-based spirituality, in contradiction to the the orthodox religion of the time and to the very dogmatic scientific mm-hmm. materialism of the time, a lot of the, because of course nobody knew when Stonehenge had been built back in those days, back in the 18th century. And so they thought, well, you know, there were these Druids and they, and here's this ancient thing that is right out there in the open, surrounded by, you know, the sky and the wind and the grass and everything. I bet it was a Druid temple. They were wrong, but it was still a cool place to go and celebrate the solstices and so on. And so since about, since sometime in the 18th century, modern Druids,
2: have been going to Stonehenge, and it's it, you know
3: I've been there. I've celebrated the summer, the summer solstice there. It's a, it's a lovely place to do a ritual.
2: Did you did you feel anything any 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 spiritual uh, presence? Did you feel any earth powers?
3: Um, less so there. I think it's had too many tourists. Oh. <laughs> to be quite frank, there there are there are some of the old stone circles that where there is there's definitely a feeling of something very alive in the ground. But Stonehenge, it's you know, it's it's been asleep for a long time, I think. But it's still a very beautiful place. You're standing there just before dawn. Mm-hmm. We we were fortunate one of those rare days when it's actually clear and sunny in Britain. I know that's yeah. not supposed to happen, but we were lucky. There we were, you know, the wind blowing across the grass and the big gray stones against the mm-hmm. the gray, slowly lightening s- sky, and then the sun rises in the east right over the hill. So it was great.
2: So is the Stonehenge. Uh, formation, just an ancient uh, observatory.
3: Um, it was, we have no idea.
2: No, way. lots of people.
3: Lots of people have all kinds of speculations. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, probably the funniest one that I ever saw was the the, the guy who came up with his bogus website on ancient druid computers, claiming that Stonehenge was actually a computer complex.
2: Well, oh, there you go. That that goes to prove <laughs> my comment about modern technology modern technology. John, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. XO Nation, John Michael Greer is our special guest. Mm-hmm. His new book, Mystery Teachings from the Loving Earth. His, uh, his uh, blog site is the com. John Michael Greer and I will return on the other side of this break. Don't go away.
1: For more information on the Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
2: X-Zone Nation. Uh, John Michael Greer has been my guest this hour. His new book, Mystery Teachings from the Living Earth, and his uh, blogspot is www.thearchdruidreport.blogspot.com dot com. John, last time you were on with us, we were talking about the apocalypse, and uh, you know mm-hmm. what? Um, Laura and I went down to the Mayan uh, Mayan ruins. We talked with the Mayans. We went through uh, Mexico, Belize, uh-huh. uh, Honduras. You now, we spoke to the scholars, we spoke to many of the Mayans themselves, who, by the way, I don't know why people think they're extinct. There's over two million of them still of living. Of
3: course there are. Yeah. Uh, it's and, and just, but, but it's much more convenient to spin fantasies about the Mayans if you can pretend they don't exist anymore.
2: There, there's only one thing they love about the 2012 hype, and that's the increase in tourism. Oh, it's got to be.
3: It's, oh, I mean, it's got to be making their day. It you know? is. Except, it, except there's, then you have to deal with all these clueless gringos.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, so why is it then, John? Mm-hmm. You know, 2012. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, 2000 Y2K was doom and gloom. There's been over mm-hmm. two or three hundred other dates that have come and gone. Mm-hmm. December the 21st, 2012. People are looking at either the uh, the galactic alignment or the second coming of Christ. Or you know, let's. My idea is okay. Let's go to the uh, let's go to the Red Rocket store. Get three pounds of wings and sit down and watch everybody make fools of themselves. I think it's an excellent idea, and it's one that has a, a lot of historical, um, a, lot, a lot of historical panache behind it. Because
3: that's exactly what a lot of people have done mm-hmm. when these past things have happened, and you know they've always been right. They have. You pick up the wings and a couple of beers oh, and watch oh. people make fools of yeah. themselves. Yeah. And, that... you know, I'm sure people were doing that in you know, in, in the fifth century BC.
2: John, what I, I don't
3: real... think I don't know if they had wings handy, but whatever the local snack food was.
2: What What really makes me laugh is here we've got a. Technologically advanced society. Mm-hmm. We can put people on the moon. We can put robots on Mars. We can go to the very depths of the ocean, mm-hmm. and yet we still look at a groundhog to predict the weather. <laughs> That's
3: good. Yes. <laughs> you
2: know, like is is it me? Do I see things strangely? What am I missing? No, no, no. It's it's, it's very simple. We have
3: all of these toys that we're powering by you know digging by breaking into earth's mm-hmm. carbon cookie jar but we're still the same people we're still the same human beings all the toys have not changed the fact that you know we're right there with the medieval peasants convinced of the wonder working po- uh, you know wonder working powers of, of this you know standing stone in the local fields yeah. we haven't changed that much we just project our fantasies onto different things we project them onto the mayans we project them onto um, complete misreadings readings of the book of revelation we project them onto the singularity computers are going to become you know the, the, the surrogate gods and gratis immortality or what have you it's the same basic human situation from which each of us has the opportunity of stepping back a little bit mm-hmm. and trying and working on the process of becoming, getting more of a clue and course of a state of consciousness.
2: And of course, if all else fails, get yourself a groundhog.
3: Get yourself a groundhog, yeah. John, I want to I've thank got, you. I've got one in the backyard I can lend you.
2: <laughs> John, I want to thank you ever so much for joining us. Always a great pleasure talking to you, my friend. Quickly, give our listeners your blog address.
3: Okay, the blog is thearchdruidreport.blogspot.com. Mm-hmm. And my books can be got at your favorite full, full, full service bookstore or um, direct from the publisher. In this case, it's redwheelwiser.com.
2: Nice talking to you, John. Take care of yourself. Look forward to the next time you and I meet here in the Exo. I-, I look forward to it also. Take care, my friend. Bye bye. And Bye-bye. Uh, don't forget to feed your groundhog. Exo <laughs> Nation, John Michael Greer has been my guest this hour. Once again, The Archdruid Report dot I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the hour as the Exxon continues with yours truly Rob McConnell from our studios here in Hamilton Ontario Canada dare to believe and dare to be heard we'll be back don't go away